You're listening to audio from Calvary Gravenhurst in Muskoka, Ontario. For more resources or to connect with someone in the church, please visit calvarygravenhurst.com. This week's sermon is taught by lead pastor Benjamin Emery. Open your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 3. My name is Benjamin. If I haven't met you, it's great to meet you. One of the pastors here. If you're visiting, welcome. We hope you enjoy uh, your time with us. A lot of great things to celebrate today. I'm going to be in Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 to 3. And today I want to like encourage everyone where they are. Uh, to those who are just setting out in your race, uh, you're new to the faith, um, like some of those, you're, you're, you may have gone to church, you, you, you may have uh, had an idea of God, but, but you hadn't set out on your course that he had laid out before you. I want to encourage you today. Uh, Paul wants to encourage you. He wants to give you some tools to run that f- race effectively throughout your life. Uh, he wants to encourage some of you who've been running for a while, but you slowed down, you stopped running. Uh, maybe to some who feel like they're just sitting down in their uh, spiritual race, or maybe some are laying down, or, or some just feel like, like life is just coming to an end. Paul wants to encourage you. He wants to tell you to get up and, and continue the faith uh, that you said you once proclaimed. Uh, he wants to encourage you who are nearing the end of your race. You've been running, and you've been running well for a long time, uh, and you can see the finish line up ahead. Uh, don't pull back. Don't slow down. Keep going and finish your race strong. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 to 3. Paul says, Therefore, since we also have such a large cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every hindrance and the sin that so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that lies before us, keeping our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy that lay before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself so that you won't grow weary and give up. And now, hopefully you are keeping that open because we're going to be in there in Hebrews most of the time. And if you don't own a Bible, we want you to take that one uh, in front of you as our gift to you. But let's take a minute and pray. God, I'm very much aware uh, that I am just a man desperately in need of you, uh, the supernatural God, to help me uh, proclaim the word which you have designed uh, for humans to know, for us to know about you, about how to live well. Lord, I pray for all the men and women in here, uh, the young uh, people who are at varying uh, places in their life. Uh, Some have yet to come to faith. We pray that they would. Uh, Some are starting out, Lord. We pray that you would strengthen them and get them ready. Uh, for those who are in the middle of the race, Lord, that you would encourage them to keep going, to, to pick up the pace. And, and for those who are nearing the end of it, Lord, to encourage them that it's all going to be worth it. And, and for them to turn around and, and run backwards for a while and encourage those behind them to keep coming, to never give up. So we ask you, God, because we're nothing. We're just people without you. We're asking you uh, to speak to our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Uh, so I just want to lay out a bit of a context uh, for you that don't know Hebrews. Hebrews is it's a, it's a captivating book. It's an inspiring book. It's a, it's a book of faith. It's a book of triumph. It's a book of, of victory. It's also a very confronting book. Um, Paul is confronting uh, the difference between faith and religion. Uh, he's, he's letting us uh, know, the readers know, that it's not by works uh, you're saved. It's, it's, not, uh, it's not a one-time decision and then you throw it off and it's done. Uh, faith is how you enter into the kingdom of heaven. Faith is how you continue the race and faith is how you will finish. So let's just look at a few um, of the verses previous. Chapter 3, if you turn a few pages back. Chapter 3, verse 14 Paul says, 3.14, For we have become participants in Christ if we hold firmly until the end the reality of what we had at the start. Uh, are you hearing what he's saying? He's saying, the proof that you actually believed, uh, that you actually put your faith in Jesus Christ, um, is that you will hold firmly to that. It doesn't mean you won't slip and slide and fall down and take a few steps back and a few steps forward, uh, but you will hold firmly to the faith, the belief that you had at the start, the saving faith, the simple childlike faith that you proclaim to have. That is what's going to get you through to the end. Uh, you don't mature on to, a, to, a, uh, to some sort of, uh, I, work, I work my salvation out with God sort of faith. No, it's the simple faith. Uh, and you'll know that, that you actually participated in that if you hold fast to the faith. Then flip forward to Hebrews chapter 10, verse 36. Chapter 10, verse 36. It says, for you need endurance, so that after you have done God's will, you may receive what was promised. For yet, a very, for yet in a very little while, the coming one will continue and not delay. But my righteous one will live by faith. And if he draws back, I will have no pleasure in him. But we are not those who draw back and are destroyed, but those who have faith and are saved. Again, the same uh, message. Uh, we uh, who are saved are not saved by anything but faith. We have nothing good to offer God except our humility and our, and our admittance that we need God. And now you, you may think that you don't need Him, uh, but you do. Deep down, you know you do. Everyone has, whether they're rich, prosperous, they got it all together, or they don't have much together. They understand, they feel inside of them this deep need for something to fill this hole inside of them. And they try money, and they try pleasure, and they try power. But nothing fills. It, it may temporarily fill it for a night or two, but nothing fills. And in fact, the hole gets bigger and bigger and bigger. That is the whole inside of every human being that only Jesus Christ, only God can fill. And then if you go on and I give you this homework to read Hebrews chapter 11, um, Paul talks about all those men and women, some messy men and women in that, in that uh, running uh, that lived by faith. They messed up, but they, they held to the belief in God. And some of them didn't even see the, uh, the fruit of what they, they were living for and hoping for, uh, but they're experiencing it now. They, they believed in God's simple faith. They lived by faith, and they died by faith. And then that brings us now into 
where we started the lessons from Hebrews. And, and what I just want to lay out, or what Paul is, 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 is telling us, although that we, we have to live by faith, and there's nothing that we can do to earn our way to God or, or to grow um, as Christians. It's a supernatural event. There is a part we have to play. It's, it's this weird balance that, that none of us fully understand, that, that it God, it's God who does it, God who saves, God who changes us, but yet we have a part to play. And there is a lie going around in churches. There's a lie going around in those days uh, that the Christian life is passive. Uh, that you just kind of come to God and, and you live with a sort of lazy boy Christianity where you put your feet up and just say, whatever, I have nothing to do with this. I don't have to change. And whatever God does, he will do. But that's actually not true. Life is not a, uh, a Caribbean cruise ship where God's at uh, driving it and he's working all the angles and we just sit back and and feast at the buffet dinner and know we have a part to play and if we if we don't tell people that there's a part to play and that the road is hard and that sometimes there's going to be challenges we set people up uh, for a false belief if they don't hear the true gospel uh, that God doesn't want you because you're nice because you've got it all together God wants you because you're a mess he wants to save you from your sin he wants to change you if we don't tell people the whole truth then when hardship comes along when sickness comes along when unemployment comes along relational problems they're like I'm checking out I don't want anything to do with this Christian life because I was told it was all easy Paul doesn't shy away from that Why should we run the race? Well, there's plenty of benefits. Forgiveness of sin, relationship with God, hope for eternity, purpose for life, supernatural help in the presence, a community of believers, a loving family, and rewards in heaven. There are plenty of things to look forward to, but there are obstacles along the race of life. And so Paul lays out four things in those three verses, four things that can help us wherever you are in your run, to run strongly. This is your part to play in this thing called faith. First, he tells us to be inspired. Be inspired. Therefore, since we have also a lar- such a large cloud of witnesses surrounding us, uh, he's saying uh, all those people we, I just talked about in chapter 11, since they all live by faith, since they all did their part, since they all finished faithful, uh, be inspired by them. Uh, Look at what they did, apply it to your life, learn from what they didn't do. And I love to read autobiographies and and biographies. Mostly it's of people who are dead. Because you can't really know how someone's going to finish their race until they're dead. But if you can look back and see the way men or women lived faithfully through some of the great trials and challenges um, of their life and see that they, they held their faith until the end, that they produced that in their life, uh, it's very inspiring. It's very encouraging. And, and I think God puts all of those things in, and we have a record of their lives so that we can be inspired. Not to just live a, a mediocre, a, a, a plain Jane, I don't do anything, God will never do anything with me kind of life. I love to read about George Mueller. 
the man who really started what we know as the orphanage. When street kids just ran around England uh, in the, the 18th century uh, or in the, the 19th century and nobody cared about them and they were just despised, George Mueller was moved by the heart of God uh, to take these children in and care for them, him and his wife, Mary. And by faith, they prayed that God would provide and they never asked for a dime. God provided by faith all that they needed. I love to read about John Bunyan uh, who wouldn't quit preaching and so was sent to jail for 12 years. 12 years he rotted in an English jail for preaching the gospel, and yet he didn't give up. He lived by faith. And out of his time in jail, God gave him the second best-selling book in the history of the world after the Bible, The Pilgrim's Progress. I love to read about Corey Tinboom, uh, who was hiding Jews in, in her attic with her family during uh, the Nazi um, killings and she was arrested and and her and her sister were sent to a concentration camp and all through that time she never gave up her faith and because of that faith she inspired millions of people after she came out of the prison we need to be inspired we need to be encouraged by the history of the great saints and if if you have children there's a great tool that you can uh, watch or a great show um, a series called Torchlighters I say if you have kids 6 or 7 and up maybe you want to watch one and and it's stories they're very real stories made in cartoon form very well done of of the men and women who have lived well for God in the past Torchlighters you should watch it as a family we do uh, we were trying. We were being inspired as men at Ready Men last Monday when we were reading about the last uh, times in Paul's life. Second uh, Timothy chapter four, the last letter, in the last chapter of the last period in Paul's life, and he says this to his uh, friend, his his son that he never had, Timothy. He says, "I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith." And there is reserved for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on that day. And not only me, but all who loved his appearing. Be inspired by the men and women of the past. You, you need that in your life. Uh, but, but you also need to prepare yourself because it's not just enough to be inspired. We've got the, the the days of modern media, and we can watch YouTube videos, motivational YouTube videos. They're big now, and I like to hear a good motivational video. Uh, it gets you like, yeah, yeah, I can do this. I can rise to the occasion. I can defeat this challenge. It's good to be motivated, but it's not enough to be motivated. It's good to see somebody in shape, and you're like, I'm going to get a gym membership. I'm going to go to the gym. And you go to the gym, and you, and you see that person, and they're, they're on the treadmill. They're slinging the weights. You're like, yeah, that's going to be me. And then you start slinging the weights, and you start running the treadmill like, huh, this is really hard. This isn't as easy as just being inspired. No, you need determination. You need commitment. You need discipline in your life. You need to prepare your, your mind and your body for what's ahead. And, and so too, Paul tells us, he says, let us lay aside every hindrance and the sin that so easily ensnares us. This is the preparation uh, for running the race, running the race well, that is. And so in the, in the Greek, which was this, this was originally written in, uh, a better word um, would be, instead of hindrance, would be weight. So let us lay aside every weight that so eas 
and sin that so easily ensnares us. And so it's from an athletic perspective. So the, the Greeks and the Romans, they love their athletics. Uh, but every athlete knows uh, that if you want to compete well, you've got to shed excess weight, right? Swimmers. Maybe some of you were competitive swimmers when you were young. The swimmers, they're so obsessed with, like, not having drag that they'll shave the hair off their body. They'll be completely uh, shaved just in order to get a little bit of an extra fraction of a second. Runners, right? If, if you're a competitive runner, you're going to have lightweight shoes. You're going to have lightweight clothes, right? You're not going to wear heavy clothes and heavy shoes. You're not going to wear um, muckalucks while you're running. Why? Because it's weight, Right? If, if you're a competitive boxer, they boxers, they train all year round, but right up, lead up to the fight, they, they shed all their excess weight. They want be, to be able to compete at their highest ability. And so Paul tells us, hey, if you're going to run this race well, then you better get rid of some of the things that are holding you down. And some of those things are obvious. Sin, it's obvious. Uh, you know, if you've got a lust problem, then get rid of your computer, get rid of your phone, get a flip phone. If that thing is weighing you down because it's leading you into obvious sin, then get rid of it. If you've got spending problems and, 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 and you're, you're just, your life is a disaster because you can't stop spending money, cut up your credit cards, cut up your debit cards. Like, get rid of the things that are so easily snagging you up and weighing you down. But then there are things that are not as obvious, aren't there? The way we use our time, the way we live our life, uh, your hobbies and interests. Sometimes those things can become obsessions. Sometimes something that is good uh, can take time away from something that is even better. Uh, somebody once said to me, there's many good things uh, offered in your life, but you have to choose the best things. Because sometimes the good things will outweigh the best things. And so... Maybe uh, physical fitness is uh, something you like. There's nothing wrong with that. But if all your life is built on physical fitness and not on spiritual fitness, then that's weighing you down. If, if you love the news, like I used to read the news a lot because I was just like, man, this world is a giant disaster and I got to read uh, lots of different news to try and understand it. But what I realized about six months ago was reading the news was taking me a time away from reading the Bible and reading good, good books that will encourage me in my faith. So I had to cut a lot of that out. Maybe gardening is, is, is just your, one of your passions. Nothing wrong with gardening. Uh, but if you're more obsessed with weeding the garden instead of weeding your life, weeding the sin out of your life, then again, that is weighing you down. If you've ever seen or read the book, End of the Spear, or seen uh, the movie, uh, it's the story of Jim Elliot. It's an encouraging uh, and and really in inspiring story of these missionaries that went into the jungles in, in the 50s of Ecuador, um, and they were speared to death. Uh, by the natives. Uh, Jim Elliott, Nate Saint, and, and these men, they came in by plane, uh, landed on a beach, were speared to death. Then Elizabeth Elliott, the, uh, the wife, and her son went back into the, to this tribe and preached the gospel to them, and they realized that, that they had killed these men, and they all came to faith, and they all repented, and it completely changed the whole tribe. They weren't killing each other anymore through sacrifice. And so Nate Saint, who was the pilot of that plane, in his journals, he wrote this. He said, when we got a new plane, when the mission bought us a new plane, we had to 
make sure that we weren't carrying anything that wasn't necessary. When our mission bought the plane, it had new soft seats, but we realized each one of these seats weighed eight pounds. So we realized that we could get a hard seat that weighed one pound. We gave up what was soft and so that we could carry more water and food to complete the mission. And he says, you know, life, you know that there are lots of things in life like this. They look nice, they feel nice, but they don't help us get the job done. And sometimes we just need to get rid of them. And maybe you can see something in your life that's nice and good and comfortable, but it's taking your time away from what is even better. You can probably identify it. It's what distracts you. It's what you're thinking about. It's, it's what you love most. And none of those things are wrong, but if you love them more than God, then they are a hindrance to you. So he says, and then the sin that so easily ensnares. Now, again, the, the picture Paul is giving us is, is of a person who, who, who's got loose clothing or, or something that keeps getting snared. It's a part of them, but it keeps getting snared on some. You remember when you were a kid, maybe? I can remember this, and you have the scarf on, and you're running around playing, and maybe it gets caught on a tree, right? And you, ugh, right? Because your mom didn't tie it up and tuck it in. Um, that my mom did, I just threw it out because I was a rebel. Um, but I can remember being on a ski lift and, and a couple ahead of us, I don't know how far ahead, they were, they were getting up. And you know when you're getting off a ski lift, it dips up and then you stand up and then it just pushes you off. Well, somehow something on the ski lift or on the person got attached to the ski lift. And so as everyone went off, this person stayed on and was hanging off of the ski lift as it started to go around and go back down the hill. And, and so this ensnared them. And we've got those things in our life, if we're, if we're honest. It's, it's probably the things that, that, that you go in a cycle about. You're like, uh, you're like I can handle this, God. I, I, I know I shouldn't do it. I know it, it hint checks me or it, it snares me, but I've got it under control. You come to church on Sundays. You get inspired. You're like, I'm done with it, God. No more. But you don't actually get rid of it. And then so Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, it snares you again. And then by Sunday, you're repenting again to God. What is it? You've got to get rid of it. That thing that's so easily, that's a key word, it easily ensnares you. It's, it's a habitual sin. It's, it's something that, that just seems to have a hold on you. And sometimes, brothers and sisters, if we don't get rid of what's weighing us down and, and what is snaring us up, we can not only hurt ourselves, but we hurt the people around us, if we're honest. Um, Dustin and I were running a race in 2019, a Spartan race. And in a Spartan race, there's obstacles, and you've, you've got to uh, run. It was 12 kilometers, and, and they release uh, you in groups of about probably a 50 or 100 in waves of every 30 minutes. So that way, I don't have a 1,000 people running at the same time, because a lot of the time, uh, the, the course you're running on is only two or three people deep. It's through a forest. And what we found is one of the biggest obstacles on an obstacle race is not the obstacles, but it's the people who are walking the race. It's the people uh, who are weighed down. Uh, maybe they've carried a backpack and they've got speakers in the backpack, they've got snacks in the backpack, and they thought it would be a lot lighter, but five kilometers in, it's a lot heavier. It's the people who are like, you know what, let's do one of the toughest races around and let's walk it. And let's have a conversation five or three, three long in it while people are trying to run around through mud and grime. And, and you, you come around a corner and there's these people just walking casually through and you almost crash over them and fall into the woods. And that's us. 
when we don't get rid of the stuff that we should be getting rid of. When we take the, the Christian life of some casual stroll and we don't get rid of our sin and the things that snare us, people are often more of an obstacle than the sin themselves. And, and so many times I hear from Christians, oh, I can't believe that happened to that person or they really tripped me up because of this in their life. But we've got to be getting rid of it. Romans 12, 14, Paul reminds us, uh, don't be a stumbling block or a hindrance in the way of a brother or sister. Maybe that can be your kids who you're trying to bring to faith. Maybe that's your parents uh, who, who you desperately want to come to faith. Maybe that's your spouse that you're trying to win. Or, or maybe it's other Christians. Uh, you've got to ask God, what is weighing me down and get rid of it? So be inspired, be prepared, be determined. Be determined. Let us run the race with endurance, the race that lies before us. Some of your Bibles might have, instead of endurance, it might have perseverance. Let us run with perseverance the race that lies before us. The point is that you're not going to finish, live by faith. You're not going to be able to live by faith without determination in your mind. That, that as you heard uh, the three uh, who gave their testimony, they're committing and not to some casual thing, not to a month-long commitment, but to a lifelong commitment, understanding that it's going to take determination to see that through. And in a race, uh, you often get hurt. Maybe you've been in a race. Remember at the start when everyone's trying to get to the front of the line, right? Sometimes you get an elbow in the face. Sometimes you get stepped on. Sometimes you get kicked, right? It, it happens. But in a race, when you get kicked or elbowed, you don't stop on the side and say, I'm so offended that that, that person kicked me. I'm not racing anymore. No, you keep going, right? But sometimes Christians can get kicked or punched or elbowed by another Christian, whether they knew it or not, and they're like, I'm so offended. I'm having nothing to do with the church anymore because that sinner who's a work in progress messed up. I'm giving up on the church. And they go home and I'm a church of one now. Well, how do you run a race by yourself? You don't. You run it with other people. And that's just immaturity to think like that. And new believers, uh, those of you who are setting out on this course, you're going to come along people and they're, and, and they're going to be walking this race of life. And they're going to be living, and it seems like they're, they're living a different kind of Christianity. Encourage them. Say, hey, I'll run with you for a while, but don't stop running your race on account of them. Because sometimes people who are dysfunctional, they want to hold you back. That, that's that's a, a self-preservation mechanism that, that people have in them. They're like, I, I know my life is a disaster, but I don't want to change. And I see you changing, so I want to hold you back so that you don't experience what I'm not experiencing. And you've got to be careful that you love people, you encourage people, but don't let them hold you back in the race. Sometimes you get a cramp in the race, right? And that's a you've probably had that where you get that hurt right here and it's horrible you're you're running fine and it's oh and what do you want to do you want to stop running right you want to sort of stop and, and go sit down on the ground but they tell you don't stop running keep going right raise your hand give your your chest a rub but don't stop running and that is in life if you give up you'll never see the victory so in life and the hardships you've got to keep running you've got to run like you're winning or you're competing to win the prize. And that's what Paul says. Be determined, he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Listen to his wording. Verse 24. Don't you know that the runners in a stadium all race? 
but only one receives the prize. Run in such a way to win the race. Now everyone who competes exercises self-control in everything. They do it to receive a perishable crown, but we have an imperishable crown. So do not run like one who runs aimlessly or box like one who beats the air. Instead, I discipline my body and bring it under strict control. Do you see, do you see Paul's, uh, the way he's talking, he's saying like, why are you so casually running along? You're trying to win, you're, you should live the Christian life like you're trying to win a prize. Even though you're not doing it to win a prize, that's how you should live it. Aggressively, determined, I'm not going to give up. I had to find some determination about three weeks ago. Um, I like to do this thing called CrossFit. I know there's like 12 or 15 people uh, in this church. We go to, uh, to the CrossFit gym in town. We all go at different times. Um, and I used to go with Michael Taylor, Dr. Taylor, uh, early on, uh, Taylor Jr. Um, and, and him and I, a few years ago, we'd go together at the same time, but schedules made it so we couldn't go anymore at the same time. Uh, but then about three weeks ago, I could go at the same time as him. So I'm like, I'm going to go see, and I'm going to partner up with him. I'm going to see if he's still got something. And and because I used to be able to beat him in some areas. And so I went, and we partnered up, and, and about five minutes into it, I knew it was a big mistake, and I shouldn't have. I should have gone with Dr. Taylor Sr. and partnered up with him because he was there too. <coughs> Uh, but he was picking up weights that were way too heavy, and he was going way hard. And, but I was like so determined in my head, I've got to stay with him. I cannot allow him to see me give up. I have got to stay with him. And so for about 45 minutes of grueling agony, I stayed with him. And then I didn't walk right for four days after. But that's life. We've got to be determined if we're going to finish well, if we're going to do well. So be inspired. Be prepared. Be determined, and then the most important one, keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Because it is inevitable that the people we place, if we put our ultimate hope in a person outside of Jesus Christ, they will let us down. And what happens when your hero crashes and burns? When somebody you thought was so honorable and you find out they're not as honorable as you once thought. Uh, what do you do? If you've put all your hope in a human being, then you're going to let, be let down. Then you might give up. But Paul doesn't say, put your eyes on me or Peter. He says, put your eyes on Jesus Christ. Keeping our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. About... A year ago, last summer, my son and I, my oldest son and I, William, were running a, a Spartan race, a, a tough, or sorry, a tough mutter race, uh, and and he has way more in shape than I am at running now, um, which which can be humbling uh, as I get older, but it's encouraging as well, and, and so. Uh, he was so gracious, he could have blown way ahead of where I was. But he was gracious in that he stayed 50 to 100 meters ahead of me so that I could see him. Uh, and by seeing him, if he had disappeared, I probably would have said, whatever. I'm just going to stay back with all the other guys my age. Uh, but, but I could see him. I was encouraged to keep going, to just keep him in my sights. And he would stop at every obstacle, and he'd make sure that we got over it together. Uh, he would look back, I'm pretty sure, to make sure he could still see me, to make sure I wasn't having a massive stroke. Uh, but in the same way, as I was keeping my eyes on him, we're to keep our eyes on Jesus because God has already run this race. Uh, God became a man 
ran the race perfectly, finished, was crowned the victor, and now gives us the power to run the race well. And we have the encouragement of seeing all the men and women in the past who have run well. And so us in our dysfunction and our messiness, uh, we keep our eyes on Jesus. He's the pioneer. He, he made our faith. We, we, can't, we can't come to faith without Jesus bringing, opening the spiritual eyes of our heart. Uh, we can't come to the place where we humble ourselves and see that, actually, I'm not doing too well at living this thing called life myself. I better and I need God to help me. He is the victor. He is the perfecter of our faith. Uh, he's the one who's going to see us through to the end. Uh, he's the one who supercharges us. He's the one who gives us the ability to endure things we never thought we could endure. And one of the fruits of the Christian life is that you're going to see God start to change you. That, that proves that you actually are a Christian. That you don't stay the same way you were when you came to faith. That you're slowly, by the power of God, being transformed into the image of Him as you participate and run your race. Paul says, for the joy that was laid before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, so that you won't grow weary and give up. Hey, consider Jesus when you feel like giving up. He's made a way for you, Paul says. He's not going to let you get halfway through the race and then just not help you over the obstacles. No, he's going to be there. So keep your eyes on him. He's never going to get too far ahead of you. You can't see him. And he's never going to get behind you. He's always going to be with you. And when you understand that, that's when the change starts to happen. Religion is not enough. Religion doesn't do anything. You have to know it and believe it. You have to have faith in the name of Jesus alone. And not by the power of your spouse. And not through your kid's name, not through your parents, not through your job or your money or your intellect. All those things are going to fail you eventually. But through the power and the name of Jesus Christ. Salvation is offered through no other name, the Bible says, than Jesus Christ. Uh, he is the only one who can fill you supernaturally. He took this useless man and gave them the ability to stand up here even. That is a miracle. Ask my high school principal. He thought I was going to be in jail by now or dead. And when you understand that, oh, that's when everything changes. That's when you have the faith to endure. And there's a lot of unknowns in my life. Uh, I know that God has led me to lead my family into the steps we are taking. But there's still so many unknowns. I don't know where we'll be living in a month and a half from now. I don't know what I'll be doing to provide for my family in a month and a half. But I know Jesus is faithful because he's been faithful in the past every single time. When he saved me in a cornfield 17 years ago, outgunned and outmanned with the Taliban surrounding our position, he was faithful. He was faithful 16 years ago when he saved me in the basement of my apartment uh, in a depraved life that I was living. And I cried out for him and he, he took the burden of sin that I've been trying to fill with booze and with, with drugs and with all sorts of stuff for so long. 
He was faithful when I was a single father of two for seven years, working full time uh, in long, lonely days sometimes. He was faithful to be there. He was faithful when at 31 we left the military and, and went back to school and I hadn't even passed high school. He was faithful when I had been praying for eight years that he would give me a wife uh, that I didn't deserve, and he gave me a wife that I didn't deserve. He's faithful when we as a family moved up here eight years ago. Didn't know a lick about being a pastor. Didn't know what to do. And yet God was faithful to us as a family. And he brought us through and he gave us the ability to minister and actually be of use to people. And he's bonded us tighter as a family than we've ever been. He's been faithful. And so I know he'll be faithful in the future because he's always been faithful in the past. And you can know that too. And when you have a proper view of who Jesus is, when you understand he's not some old man in the sky, when you understand he's not some universal power far off in, in Pluto, when you understand uh, that he is God Almighty, when you understand that he woke you up this morning, he gives you the ability to breathe every day, uh, when you realize that he's the one who opened and closed all the doors in your life from the past, when, when you realize uh, when you were raising your kids and you, you thought you were going to go insane and, and he gave you the grace to continue on and raise those kids, when you realize that Jesus Christ has been in your life this whole time and that he is going to carry you through and that he is worthy of your praise, well, then life changes. And so, are there obstacles ahead for us? Yeah, there's obstacles in our races. Do we know what the future holds? No, we don't know what the future holds. But we know he's going to be faithful. We know that the God who knows everything holds the whole world in the palm of his hand. And someday, church, it's all going to be over. And it's going to be worth it. And we're going to look back on these days and these obstacles and these trials and we're going to smile. And we're going to, God is going to walk amongst us and we're going to be his children. There will be no more pain and no more suffering and no more murder and death. Uh, the former things will have passed away. Isn't that a, an encouraging thing to think about? Uh, when we, we come into our place of rest, when, when God invites us to live with him. And, and you want to hear those words that Shiloh was talking about. Well done. He's going to say well done to some of you who raised your kids faithfully. Nobody ever knew your name, but he knew your name. He's going to say well done to you who were in tough marriages, but you showed love and grace even when you didn't get it back. He, he's going to say well done to you, those of you who served quietly in the background and, and maybe didn't get any recognition. He, he's going to say well done to you uh, who loved a lot of messy people. He's going to say, well done to you who dealt with sickness with grace instead of becoming bitter and angry. He's going to say, well done to you who never gave up the faith. And when he says, well done, good and faithful one, he'll say, now enter into the rest that I have prepared for you before the start of the world. So let us not grow weary of doing good, but let us run the race with perseverance that is set out before us. Let's pray. God, thank you so much that we have hope that no matter what's going on out there, no matter where we find ourselves in our life, the God who created and sustains everything 
the perfect God, the God who is not corrupt, offers forgiveness, relationship, help. You want to be with us. You want us to to have a supernatural assurance. I thank you that we've heard uh, the testimony uh, today from three who have put their faith in you and, and will to others for the five that will be baptized. We know that they've already put their faith in you. We thank you for them. We pray you would encourage them and strengthen them. We pray for those who have never, who have just been trying to white-knuckle it through this life, uh, that they would see they need you. And, and, and it's not a crutch. You are a savior, and you're the greatest savior, for I wouldn't be standing here if you hadn't saved me. I pray for those who are running the race, Lord, but they're, they're tired, they're discouraged. Lord, give them a fresh filling of your Holy Spirit. Give them the determination to keep going. Lord, if there's things that need to be thrown away in people's lives, weights and snares, Lord, help them to get rid of it. And I pray for those who are coming to the end of their race. Lord, some will leave us and go to be with you. I pray they would not be afraid, that they would be strengthened and encouraged and excited when they will stand face to face with you. Thank you for this group, Lord. As we go and celebrate uh, the baptisms, let us be encouraged, for we put our faith in none other but you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon audio. For more resources or to connect with us, visit calvarygravenhurst.com.